so this is a test. There is a plate of cookies sitting right over there with saran wrap on them, and we're not going to touch them for the next 23 minutes. I would not eat a cookie and be chewing <laughs> while I'm trying to talk. This There's oatmeal raisin. But so, if I go silent and Michael does all the talking for a while... <laughs> you know what happened, folks. <laughs> yeah. Is that left over from finance committee last night? Well, finance committee had I see a sec- couple missing. second dibs. The first dib was our interview yesterday. Yes, I do remember so that. We had a, everybody it, had self-control, but nobody took a cookie. Oh, I did as soon as we were done. As soon as everybody left? And then we had finance committee last night, and according, everybody had self-control but me on that one, too. According to my memory, it looks like one chocolate chip and at least two to three peanut butter cookies are missing. Is it I, Lord? <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Father Herb, and that is... Michael Puppis. Michael well, Puppis, and we are back for 23 Podcasts. Welcome. It's good to be with all of you. As always, it's a beautiful sunny day today. There's this... Let's let's uh, take advantage of a beautiful day. All right, let's stop the podcast. We'll just go outside We're now. going to record this out on the picnic table. It'll be a little windy. Yes. Uh, I was trying to talk to somebody last week on my cell phone, and yeah. it was one of those windy days, and I said, hang on. Just just hang on till I, fu- I ran for shelter. I got inside a building, and then they could hear me again. Uh, well, especially sometimes in the parking lot here, that is uh, important. I have a question. for. I do have an important question for you, though, that I, I haven't gotten an update in about. And you're going to ask me this in front of the whole world. Yeah, I want to know how your skunk situation is. Oh, did I tell the skunk story last on the air last no, the, week? I the, don't think so. The listeners of the podcast don't know your skunk woes. Okay, real quickly, and because we don't want to spend all of our time about the skunk, <laughs> uh, about not my backyard, not the neighbor's backyard, but the houses beyond that, going east, yeah, have this wonderful hedgerow behind their house. Uh, it's at the edge of the property, and it connects with the high school property, which also has a softball field back there, and mm-hmm. then it goes all the way over to the woods. And this year, somebody decided that the hedgerow was too weedy and too much undergrowth. They left all the big, beautiful trees there. Sure. But they went in and cleaned a lot out. I'm That's my theory, mm-hmm. that somehow this mama skunk got uprooted. Yeah. And so it came over to my house. And one morning, about a week ago, I was sitting at the kitchen table about seven in the morning, literally sitting there with the cha- on the chair, but sideways because I was putting my shoes on. Uh-huh. And I looked out the patio door and there was a mother skunk carrying its baby. Which you don't usually think, when you think of like cute spring animals, baby skunk isn't usually what comes and, to and mind. You know, a mama cat carries the little kittens by the scruff under their neck, sure. or, or the top of their neck. Yeah. This one actually had it in its mouth. At first, I thought maybe it was a, a dead mouse or something. Huh. And then it came. It went around the corner of the house. I was not going to follow it. Smart. And then it came back and picked up another one. And out from under the, uh, the there's like a little ventilation for my gas stove in, in my house. Yeah. It goes out onto the patio. And it picked up another one, and it carried it around to the side of the house. <laughs> so I thought. I'm going. I had to get to, to church, so to be continued. Yeah, a day or two later, I looked and I found that it had burrowed under the little stoop outside the man door outside of my garage. And so somebody told me the best way to get rid of a varmint you don't want is Irish Spring soap. Because skunks don't like to take a bath. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> Have you ever 
it smelled Irish Spring. It's very strong. Very strong. Perfumey. It's intoxicating. Yeah. So I was standing there in the kitchen shaving Irish Spring soap. <laughs> I filled a whole plate, uh, plate uh, you know, those aluminum pl- uh, pans. Yeah. You know, you get you get a, a pie pie pl- sure. pie with it. So I filled one of those with shavings. They teach you this in the second year of seminary, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> skunk removal 102. Right. So I took it around and I put it in. And I came back later, and, and the hole was actually bigger. And the babies looked cleaner. I I couldn't see the babies. Oh. I don't. I wasn't <laughs> going to stick my hand in. Smart. Okay. So then, a couple of days passed. I put some more shavings in a day or two later, and they got pushed aside. So that wasn't working. Uh-huh. So then I talked to the Knights of Columbus Saturday morning. They were all having coffee after cleaning the highway. You know, they they have this highway adoption where they clean the, the debris off the side of the highway. Sure. Then they come in for coffee and donuts. And of course, that's where I, when I joined them. That's when you make your grand yeah. entrance. So I said, now what do you do to get rid of a skunk? And they said, how about mothballs? So you went and got some mothballs. I went to, first time in my life I ever bought mothballs. Boy, are they strong. And I've since over learned how with, toxic they are. They are very toxic. Yeah, the warnings all over the packages. And Which I've shared with you. My grandmother used them in her garage all the time. I, I can smell it right now from my childhood. I bet she didn't have skunks in her garage she or, or moths. Or moths. So anyway, so I poured some of those in the hole. So this is I this felt, is where I'm picking up the story now. I felt really, really bad doing that. Did it work? I don't know. They're still, they're still lying around the hole. I don't see any sign of life. I looked yesterday. Uh, so this I, is great. But I mean, I I feel really really bad. I don't dislike skunks, and I certainly don't dislike baby skunks. Yeah. I just don't want them nesting under my house. Well, as I'm sitting here talking to you, this makes perfect sense. The man in the black shirt and the white collar that I'm looking at. <laughs> I love skunks. She thought you were daddy. Yeah. I mean, she's oh, here's the man that this, I need to raise these babies with. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, baby geese in our backyard right now. And those are much cuter. Oh, my oh, Actually, gosh. I would probably I haven't seen the, the skunks, so I can't say they're not cute. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the baby geese are adorable. I, we really like watching them. But that's, you know, spring is all around us. Yes. Stay uh, tuned next we, week. We have a, a mama goose with goslings right here in the church yard as uh-huh. well. Sister Ann Mary was telling me that she's been watching them. And one egg did not hatch at all, and one died upon, upon hatching. Oh. But there's four others with the... With the goose, and she said the the papa goose, the gander, has took her on and chased her. Is that where the word gander came from? That's the papa goose. Yeah, oh, I never knew that. I just I, you don't get out very much, do you, Michael? No, my boss works me too hard. Okay, well, let's talk about things really important, like the Gospel of John. Gospel of John. Let me give a little background. Okay, we are on the fifth Sunday of Easter. Now, remember, it's fifth Sunday of Easter, not fifth Sunday after Easter, mm-hmm. because it's all considered Easter. We're still celebrating uh, it. So April 21st, Easter Sunday, is the first Sunday of Easter. So this is four weeks after. Mm-hmm. Ascension Thursdays, 40 days after. And for now about 15 years, Ascension Thursday is celebrated the Sunday after that sure. in most dioceses in this country. That will be June 2nd this year. Uh, that's correct. So... So every year, the first Sunday of Easter, of course, Easter Sunday, big celebration. Second Sunday of Easter, the story of Doubting Thomas, every year. Mm-hmm. Third Sunday of Easter is 
usually and almost always another story of the appearance of Jesus. Mm -hmm. This year we had the breakfast on the beach yep. two weeks ago. Fourth Sunday of Easter is always some version of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. Which we went through copiously last week. Okay, so now we come down to two more Sundays before Ascension. And these last two Sundays are always, always Jesus preparing his disciples for his imminent departure. Okay. But here's the funny thing. It's not his departure by way of the Ascension. Mm -hmm. It's the departure that he gives to them after the Last Supper. So in John's Gospel, there's the Last Supper account, mm -hmm. and Jesus washes the feet, and then we, we, we read that on Holy Thursday, and on Good Friday we read the Passion of John. Mm -hmm. But there's several chapters in between, which are called the Farewell Discourse. And it's like Jesus sits around after the Last Supper, and he gives them all kind of final instructions. Yeah. Like, I'm leaving, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be with you, I would not leave you orphans, and even that's even where the story of, I am the vine, you are the branches, all of those come up in that section. Okay. That's where we are today. And if you think about it, a lot of the times, you know, meals that you partake in when you're with family or friends, a lot of the good conversation happens after the meal. Yeah, but the only confusion here is when people hear this, because it's, the, it's a very short gospel passage about just a few verses, but it starts off with when Judas had left, had left them. So when he had left the table, mm -hmm. but then it goes in talking about Jesus instructions. So we've already gone through Holy Thursday. We've gone through good Friday. We've gone through Easter resurrection. Sure. And for some people, the casual observer is going to think, why are we going back to the last supper again? Mm. But this is where the account of the farewell is put. It's almost like Jesus final words of instruction. So we read them after Easter, before the Ascension, mm -hmm. but they're they're actually in the Gospel before the the death. Sure. Well, and it's a good reminder, as you always say too, that we don't compartmentalize uh, the chronological order of the Gospel. That that's exactly. You know, and if you're a linear th uh, thinker like I am, mm -hmm. you you get really upset. Like, well, why are we jumping backwards right. instead of forwards? But the Gospel is living and breathing and meant to be observed and chewed on at all times during the year. Chewed on. Yes. yes. Like a mother skunk carrying her babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know the theme. People, if people come up to me Sunday and Oh, say, you're going to have all kinds of oh, advice. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, you want to read the gospel? Because people now are really curious about what's included. And I'm going to let Michael read the gospel because... He's uh, going to eat a cookie. Because that plate of cookies is sitting <laughs> over there. Here, John, here's Michael. John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. When Judas had left them, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and God will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you should also love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay, now there's really two parts to that. The, there's that part about if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself. What's that all mean? In John's gospel, John is writing very specifically for the Greeks. The Greeks are, have a philosophical bent. Okay. And he has to make it really clear that 
they are monotheists, that we are monotheists. There's mm -hmm. one God, but there's also that godliness of the Son. And so it always seems like he talks in circles, but he's not. It, to, the, to the astute mind, every word counts. So God will so also... Are you saying I don't have an astute mind? Wow. <laughs> are you, are you self-conscious today? Maybe a little bit. I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. This, okay. is, this is public counseling. God, God will also glorify him in himself, and God will glorify him at once. It's, it's like, I am with the Father. I'm glorified with the Father uh, because I am in the Father and with the Father. Mm -hmm. I love the, the doxology at Mass. In him and with him and through him, all glory to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the him is Jesus. So it's like, God the Father is glorified in Jesus. Jesus, uh, Jesus glorifies the Father with the Spirit. Uh, the church is constantly going back to this. We are, you know, we don't have three gods. Mm -hmm. We don't have three-headed God. We have one God. Three persons. Three persons. And the person, we'll get to that when we talk about Trinity Sunday, but that's the persona, not like you're a person and I'm a person. I just looked up the definition of glorified because I think glory or glorified is a word that we use a lot, maybe without knowing the you singers do the specific glory to God. Uh, so glorified, the definition definition of glorified is especially of something or someone ordinary or unexceptional, represented in such a way as to appear more elevated or special. So it's raised up, raised up. But it's the last line that really gets our attention. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. So if you're really reading that, we're supposed to love one another, but as Jesus has loved us. So it asks the question, how did Jesus love us? Totally selflessly. Selflessly. Unconditionally. Without conditions. A hundred percent. Or if you're a coach, a hundred and ten percent. This is how all will know that you are my disciples. That last line, they would, people would know you're my disciples because you are now living as I live. The disciple has to be one with the, the teacher, the master, the leader. So that I think it raises the question, if the litmus, te the litmus test were, can people tell that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ by the way I love people, how would people answer? Right, that's, that's the question. And... So this morning in Bible study, as I always do, is I try to dissect this, and I said, what does that mean, loving one another? And people immediately got beyond. It's not just a warm fit feeling towards others. Mm -hmm. And it certainly is not just loving those who are kind to us. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, if you let me do this podcast with you, I will love you. Mm -hmm. it, it's <laughs> You're always welcome to do the podcast with me. Okay, yeah. Because... It would not be our thing if it's just your thing. It would be a very lonely 23 minutes. <laughs> I, sometime I'm going to have you do it. <laughs> That's called a monologue. Monologue. Um, Bishop Barron, who you know I follow him quite frequently, always talks about, you know, love is, you know, the definition of love is to basically will the good of another, that you're always looking out for, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but you're always looking out for the other person's interests over your own. I think that's a good definition. So it's not always, because I, I just Googled the definition of love, and this, the, the internet says, an intense feeling of deep affection. And I think we're always, 
as humans, we're chasing feeling all the time and emotion and kind of what you were talking about, that warm, fuzzy feeling. You even alluded to that last Sunday about, oh, Jesus is our good shepherd. You know, oh, yeah, that's you warm can just get caught up in this. Oh, yeah, it makes you feel good. Yeah, I have come to this realization in the last few weeks. I've shared this with some of the guys in my disciple group, too, that I think in faith, sometimes we're always chasing feeling as as a symbol of how deep our faith is or our love for God is based on how we feel rather than the consistency of the fact that it's not always going to feel a certain way. It just is. You know, God is love. Well, there's a lot of choice involved in love. I choose to love you. Sure. Uh, when a couple is getting ready for their marriage, and let's say we've got everything prepared. They've even done the ceremony planning. They've met with you at the music. They have the marriage license. There's one final form they have to sign. Mm-hmm. And the, sign, the form includes a paragraph that's sort of a summary of what the vows will be like, what they say in church. Okay. But there's one line there that says, I believe that marriage is a lifelong process of choosing each other. Mm. So they don't just choose each other on June 1st when they get married, mm. but they ju- choose each other on June 2nd and June 30th and on December 14th when they happen to be mad at each other, but they still choose. Yeah. Uh, love is choice. You you choose uh, and go back to Barron's thing of the good for the, of the other. Mm-hmm. I think we get caught up sometimes in uh, being in our own little band. And I don't mean like a mu- musical band. I was going to say, our, watch, watch what you say. Our own little <laughs> gang. Our yeah. own little gang. <laughs> yeah. Our gang. The Jets and the Sharks. Mm. But, you know, I love the people in my group. Mm. But we don't think about the people outside of the group. Well, that was so apparent to me. You know, as I was reading the gospel, I was immediately just picturing all of the people that I encountered down at the border when we were in McAllen. Um, and how, you know, we are called to love them as brothers and sisters, uh, as, you know, of course I wasn't having conversation with who here is a disciple of Jesus Christ, but I know, you know, especially in, in, um, Central American culture, you know, the Catholic faith is important. So, you know, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ and we are called to love them. But, but even if they were not. Well, of course, of course. It's, you don't, you don't do something kind, compassionate, charitable, because they are followers of Christ. No, you do, you it, do be- it because you are the follower of Christ. And they are made in God's image. Yeah. And it's it's almost like what we really need to do is treat others in exactly the way Jesus would. But boy, that's hard to think through sometimes. It's hard it's hard to think through and it's hard to do consistently. You can wake up one day and say, okay, today's going to be a good day. It's bright and sunny outside. I feel good. I'm happy. Let's go love people. But I think it really, it really, when it's challenging is when it's most important so that, you know, you're, you're, we talked about the selflessness of Jesus on the cross. You know, there's no greater image of even when we don't feel like it, we should will the good of others and love them around us. I remember hearing the story when I was in El Salvador some years ago. Uh, we hear about Oscar Romero being killed, but there were plenty of other people being killed. And one of them was a young priest, only a couple of years ordained, working with a youth group in a parish. Mm-hmm. And the the soldiers, the um, the death squad came in and basically killed him. But he before he died, he was wounded. And 
his comment, his final words were, I know who killed me and I forgive them. Mm. I have to look up somehow and see if I can find the name of this priest who said that. But what a powerful phrase. I know who killed me and I forgive them. And that's just like Jesus. You know, he says, uh, Father, I've, I've, you know, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. Sure. Well, even the conversations he was having with the other men crucified on either side of him. Yeah. You know, still still reaching out and loving people even as he was dying himself. So so these, this is really challenging for us to think of final words. What kind of message would you, you know, Jesus has the, the, the farewell discourse. It's got a lot of hope in it. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. But it's also very sad in some ways. And so that's when... You know, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. You know, because Thomas says, we don't, how can we go with you? We don't know where you're going. I, th- I think it also goes back to what you alluded to last week in your homily about the consistent person. You know, a consistent follower of Christ will love people consistently in all situations. And if we have to be consci- consciously trying to choose how we come across to people, then I don't know if we're really being authentically who we are called to be. I think that's the greatest compliment for somebody is that they're authentic. Yeah. You know, whether they have an audience or not, they are trying to be the same person. So you don't put the faith on. People don't know you are my disciple by putting on the garb of pretending to be religious. Sure. It's what you do when I'm not even there. Right. When nobody's looking. So anyway, so think about your final words before you die. Uh, it's going to be, pass me the plate of cookies. I could go for an oatmeal raisin. <laughs> <laughs> and yours is going to be, please uh, get rid of the skunks. Uh, uh, and thank you, God, for this day together today. <laughs> Everybody, we hope you're having a great week. We can't wait to see you this weekend back here at church for the fifth Sunday of Easter. Take care. <laughs>